necessities. And as I was, that, that's the title of my message is Bare Necessities. Here's why. It's because sometimes I feel like we make life way too complicated. Sometimes I feel like that we seek things and we are searching and we spend so much time, effort, and energy seeking for things that aren't necessarily necessary to us, but we think we need them. We think they're necessary. And so we waste energy and we waste time and we live frustrated and we live burnout and we live worn out because we're trying to get all of these things that we think we need and they may help for just a little while, but then they're really not helping in the long run. And so then we go, man, I really thought that was going to help, but now it's not working. And then I tried this and it's just not working. But then you can now just start dancing to bare necessities when you feel stressed out about things. Okay, but here's why. I mean, we think about that video that we just watched and it's funny and it's cute, but how, what a simple life that they were living, right? Everything that they needed was right there in front of them. Everything that they needed was available to them. They just had to grab it pretty simple. Like that did not seem like a very hard life. And so I watched that and I go, we make life way too complicated. And so let's make this holy. So we're going to jump into a scripture really quick. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 10, 23, and I'm going to read that in the Amplified. I'll read it in both, but I'm going to read it in the Amplified. So it says, all things are lawful. That is morally legitimate, permissible, but not all things are beneficial or advantageous. All things are lawful, but not all things are constructive to character and edifying to spirit life. All things, all things we can do. All things are available to us. We can do, we can have, we can go after anything that we want to go after. But not all things are edifying. Not all things help us grow spiritually. So in my title, Bare Necessities, what we're going to be talking about tonight is how do we grow spiritually? How do I maintain growth in my life? Because a lot of times we go, I, I want to be who God's called me to be. I want to be where he has me to be. I want to go where he wants me to go. But there's so much going on. I don't actually even know where to start or where to look or how to even start to become who he has for me to be. And I want to talk through that tonight of how do we maintain growth? How do we continue growth? How do we start growth if we haven't started? Where do we look? What does that look like? It's not as hard as we make it. It's not as hard as we make it. If that can be like the one theme throughout tonight is it's not as hard as we make it. It is in fact much, much, much simpler. And so we spend too much time going after things that we can go after them, but are they edifying? Are they building me up? Are they pushing me towards spiritual growth? And even in seasons, I mean, regardless, it can be seasons that are going super, super good. And so then we feel like in those seasons, sometimes we get a little more scattered because everything's going good. So we're here and we're there. Everything's looking up. Are those things edifying? Are those things building me? Are those things growing me? If we did an inventory of our life, and this is where I've been, this is where I've been studying, if we did an inventory of our life, what is growing me and what is dulling me? What is growing me and what is dulling me? What things in my life are creating a dullness and what things in my life are growing me spiritually? What things in my life? So what is necessary and what is not? So we're gonna answer three questions tonight. The first question, is, okay, so I understand I probably chase some unnecessary things. I probably don't live on the bare necessities that have been made available to me. I probably have worn out and stressed out and, and made all of this extra effort after things that really aren't taking me to where I need to be. They might be taking me to where I wanna be or where I think I should be, but are they taking me to where I need to be? So the first question is, what is necessary then? So let's look at Second Peter 1.3. And this one as well, I'm going to read in the New King James, and then I'm also going to read it in um, the Amplified as well. So Second Peter 1.3. As his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Now I'm going to read that in the Amplified. 
I should have flipped over there at this. Oh, I marked it. Look at that. For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary. There's that word. Absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us his own glory and excellence. I just want to read that one again. For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life in godliness through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. Okay, how many of you want a life that you go, I have a dynamic spiritual life. I have a dynamic spiritual life that I know that where I'm going, I'm going there on purpose. I know that I got a mission and I know that I have everything supplied for me to be who I'm created me to be or who God created me to be. But sometimes we live, just like we go back to our video, trying to reach for things and grab for things that we were never meant to have, that we were never meant, that are gonna dole us instead of grow, grow us. And so his divine power, but here's the other thing I wanna say about this scripture. It's quoted a lot. And we say, God, you've provided me everything that I need for life and godliness. God, I thank you that you've provided me everything that I need for life and to live this life right. But we skip the second half of the scripture. So to find out what is necessary, we have to read the second part of that. So I'm gonna read it again very slowly. For his divine power has bestowed, I'm gonna read the first half half, and then I'm gonna read the second half slowly. Cause I'm like, as I'm talking really fast. For his divine power has bestowed on us absolutely everything necessary for a dynamic spiritual life and godliness. And then we stop and we're like, yeah, I want that. But let's keep reading. Through true and personal knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. And then in the, the New King James, it says, um, he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him. Okay, so we have access to all things that pertain to life and godliness through knowing Jesus. Through knowing Jesus. So what is necessary in our lives? What is the thing that's necessary for growth? It's a relationship with Jesus. And that seems simple and we say that, but if I ask, if you had to post your relationship status with Jesus on Facebook or Instagram or anywhere else, what would it be? It's complicated. <laughs> Separated, single, what, what would it look like? What would our relationship status with Jesus look like? I'm just gonna pause for a minute because I want this. This is not so much a preaching message. It's more of a teaching let's grow together message. Let's walk through some things. Let's break some things down, some simple things. So what is necessary for me to grow? A relationship with Jesus. So that is to say, Outside of a relationship with Jesus, we have to agree here. The rest of the message means nothing. We have to agree right here. Outside of a relationship with Jesus, is it possible for us to have everything we need for life and godliness? No. But we spend time trying to find everything we need for life and godliness outside of a relationship with Jesus. We consult him when we don't see everything we think we need for life and godliness in this season. So instead of it being through a relationship with him, like the verse says, we do it outside of a relationship with him. So then we say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I'm doing and, and I don't see what I need for life and godliness in this season. I don't see that you're showing up in this season. That's our relationship with him. And it's outside of that deep relationship of going, God, what do you have for me? Reveal what you have for me in this season. Because he knows our seasons better than we know our seasons. He knows what's coming next. He knows our tomorrow. He's already been there. He's gonna use where we've been and he's gonna take us where we're going. He already knows all of that. So I don't wanna supply for me what I think I need. I want to rely on him for what he knows I need. Make sense? Okay, so what is necessary? What is necessary is a relationship with Jesus. So then... Naturally, the next question would be, how do I have a successful relationship with Jesus? But before we go on, I wanna read one part here, again in the Amplified. We're gonna skip over to verse eight. So we're gonna read 1 8, 2 Peter 1 8. And what this is talked about is basically, this is how you walk out your relationship. This is how you walk out knowing him. Add these things to your life. But then, so in Growing in Christ, it says, for as these qualities are yours and are increasing in you as you grow towards spiritual maturity, they will keep you 
from being useless and unproductive in regard to the true knowledge and greater understanding of our Lord Jesus Christ. So when I add to and I grow on purpose and I seek out the things that God has for me and I seek out a relationship with him, it keeps me from being useless. Useless and unproductive. I love how it says that. I don't wanna be useless and unproductive. But then if we go back to our initial question right here, can we have all that we need for life and godliness outside of a relationship with Jesus? No, we can't, right? Therefore, if we have been doing that, we've been living useless and unproductive. And that's not condemning at all. This is an encouraging message to go, I don't wanna be useless and unproductive and be deceived thinking that I'm, I'm going places and I'm really not, I'm not growing, I'm staying stagnant. I don't wanna be useless and unproductive. So let's keep reading here. Um, For whoever lacks these qualities is blind, short-sighted, closing his spiritual eyes to the truth, having, becoming, having become oblivious to the fact that he was cleansed from his old sins meaning we're living carnal. Therefore, believers, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. This part right here is very key. Be sure that your behavior reflects and confirms your relationship with God. Be sure that your behavior reflects and confirms your relationship with God. So then I ask myself there, does my behavior does my decision-making strategies, does my goals, do my dreams, do what I do day to day, does my attitude every day reflect and confirm a relationship with Jesus? Or does it reflect and confirm what Shelby wants to do? Because we will either have relationship with self or relationship with Jesus, because they'll war against each other. And so am I, do, am I living for me or does it reflect a relationship with Jesus? For by doing these things, actively developing these virtues, you will never stumble in your spiritual growth and will live a life that leads others away from sin. I will never stumble in spiritual growth. So by me pursuing a relationship with Jesus. So what is necessary? My relationship with Jesus, meaning anything that I'm chasing outside of a relationship with Jesus won't profit me anything. It won't profit me anything. But when I'm living that life that I go, I am pursuing a relationship with Jesus more than anything else. And I wanna make sure that anything I'm pursuing in life has to do with pursuit of my relationship with Jesus that is causing me to grow in my, excuse me, in my relationship to Jesus. And if that is the case, it says you will not stumble. But then remember, we said this Sunday, we said anything that God has us to do, any season in our waiting, any season that God has for us will always cause a harvest, will always sow into a harvest, will always impact a harvest. And what does this say right here? As it says, um, you will never stumble in your spiritual growth and will live a life that leads others away from sin. Why? Because we're not judging and condemning. I've recognized that I was led away from sin because of my relationship with Jesus and because my life now reflects and confirms my relationship with Jesus, it draws others to Jesus because they're not being drawn to me. They're being drawn to Jesus because I'm chasing necessary things, not unnecessary things. Make sense? Tracking so far? We don't need to do a Congo line yet. Everybody good? All right, let's go to John 1.1. 1, 1. So question number two, that was question number one. What is actually necessary? Question number two, okay, now that I know what's necessary, how do I have a relationship with him? And I know this seems elementary, but as I was praying um, today for the service, for the word, the scripture that kept coming to mind was when um, it was talking about Samuel and the prophet Samuel, and it said, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. And I feel like that in even our world today that I go the true, pure word of God is rare. The true, pure word of God that's not opinionated or tainted down or picked and choose what we're going to follow and what we're going to speak and what we're going to preach, it's rare. And then even more rare is the word of God in our homes. Is because we come to church, we, we get maybe our, our scripture on our app, but time spent in the word as a family in our homes is rare. And I believe that most problem, all, actually all, we're gonna go with all, 100% of problems of things that we face in life, we would find an answer if we were truly seeking the word of God. 
as much as we were seeking unnecessary things. The bare necessity that God has made available to us. We have access and answers to everything, anything we're facing, we have access to right here, but we choose the unnecessary things out here. And so John 1, 1, how do we know him? I should turn there so we could read it together. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now let's skip down to verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten father, full of grace and truth. So how do we know him? Through his word. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. God and the word are one and the same. So here's the, this, I, I have lots of questions inside each main point question. Can we know God outside of the word? It's impossible, right? Because if the word and God are one and the same, then outside of this word, it is impossible for us to have a relationship with God, a true relationship with God. And we all answer that like, yeah, I know that answer. How many of us live like we have a relationship with God, but we don't spend any true time in the word? How many of us live as though we have a relationship with God because we pray, which is important, but outside of his word, we do not know him. Outside of his word, we cannot have a relationship with him. This word is vital, vital, vital to our survival. We were never created to live outside of a relationship with God and outside of a relationship with the word because God and the word are one and the same. And so then if I'm reading the word of God for the purpose that it was sent, which is to grow my relationship with him, then when I read the word, I am reading God, but then God is also reading me because it says that the word is living. And so now in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, they are one and the same. And so I can't read the word without knowing God and I can't know God without reading the word. But then if we go a step farther, I can't know who I am outside of my relationship with God and I can't have a relationship with God outside of a relationship with the word. Do we see how the circle comes all the way around? And so every time that we spend time in this word, meditating on this word, reading this word, memorizing this word, listening to the word, whatever it is, the more time that we spend in here, the more time that I know about my God, which means I'm growing my relationship with God, which means the more I'm knowing about myself. But instead we compartmentalize. I read my Bible. And so I marked that off. So I have that done. I did read my Bible. And then I have my prayer time. And that's the time that I talk to God about all the life and godliness that I don't see happening over here because I just read that over there. And then I have the time that I'm trying to find out who I am. And so then I'm reading what, what the word says, but then I'm searching for myself out here. And we make them three separate things. Usually what happens is we go to the word and we read the word and then we go tell God what's not happening in our lives that the word says should be happening to our lives. But we don't put together that we were just reading God and now we're talking to God. So I wonder if God's like, didn't we just have this conversation? <laughs> we, we just did that. And if you would have listened here to pray to me here, I would have revealed something about you in this moment as well. Because next you're gonna ask me what I have planned for your life. And again, he'll say, didn't we just have this conversation? Because every time that we read the word, we're reading God and it's reading me. I heard it said, I think Robert Morris said it, um, in the seasons that we can't hear God, in the seasons that it seems like he's silent, in those seasons, read him. In those seasons, read him. That we have access to God no matter what, and he is always speaking. And if we can't hear it audibly, if we can't hear it in here, we can hear it right here because it's living. God and the word cannot be separate. And so then to drive that point one more time is to say this word is rendered inoperative outside of a relationship with God. I don't have the power to make this word work because it did not say in the beginning was the word and the word was with Shelby and the word was Shelby. And we're gonna find out in a minute, I'm a direct result of the word, but 
outside of my relationship with God, this word is rendered inoperative because I'm trying to make it work for something in the natural. This is a supernatural world or word. So then it works in my natural, but from a heavenly perspective, operating from a heavenly position instead of Shelby would like to make this word work how I would like it to work. Like, have you ever prayed um, for the ground to open up and swallow people? Cause it's Old Testament, that is scripture. I've prayed that more than once, I'll just be honest. We're being honest tonight, okay? I've said, God, just open the ground and swallow them whole. Or um, maybe you could call the bears down and eat them. Elijah prayed it and it happened, okay? It is all Bible, but why? Because I can't take that and apply that because of what Shelby wants in my desires. But in a relationship with him, then I desire what he desires. And then this word becomes living and powerful to do what it is created to do. But it can't be separate. It can't be separate. I can't have my prayer relationship with God my relationship with the word, and then another relationship over here for why those two things aren't working. It all runs together. It all, all fits just perfectly, okay? So we cannot know him outside of the word. And then through a relationship with him, this is key. Everything we read in the word is gonna reveal a characteristic of God if we're looking for it. If we're looking for it, everything we read is gonna reveal who he is to us, okay? But here's the part. We can only manifest to the world around us what we know personally about our God. We can only manifest to the world around us what we know personally about our God. So if we think back to the first scripture we read um, in the Amplified where it said that then people will leave sin. We will pull people out of sin, that they will be drawn out of sin. They will be saved from sin. Why? Because I'm being able to manifest. I'm being able to show and display who my true Jesus actually is because this is what I know to be true about him. But outside of a relationship with him, I can tell people about God and they'll say, yeah, I've heard it all before because we're just telling them something that we don't know ourselves. But out of a relationship with him, I can manifest truly who he is to me. I can minister through who he is to me. I can say, I'm not just speaking this word. I'm not preaching a message tonight on how to grow and rely on the word of God because someone thought it was a good idea. I'm speaking it A, because I prayed and I know this is what God said to speak. I'm speaking it B, because I am living proof that everything I have to say tonight works. I'm living proof to say everything in here, every relationship with God, when it is applied, it does manifest to other people. It does make a difference. I can see things differently. I've seen the word work on my behalf. I live the word working on my behalf. Every time I open the word, I'm like, God, show me who you are today because there's something else I can learn about you. And it is living and it is powerful and it makes a difference everywhere I go. And it causes continual continual, continual growth. And it works. It works. So we can speak this from multiple, multiple places and we can do the exact same thing. Each and every one of us through a relationship with the word, through a relationship with God, that we'll be able to manifest who he is because we're not worshiping a dead God, someone else's God, or some words on a page. We have a relationship with our Jesus. And then we're able to minister to the people around us. Could we um, kill the heater? I'm like sweating something fierce and all you guys seem a little warm as well. So if we could turn that off, that would be fantastic. Thank you. All right, here's the second thing I wanna say about this. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. This is why this is so important, I believe to God, is because when you think about us being condemned to hell, sin, taking us out, taking over the world and no way out, no way to Jesus, no way to grace, no way to forgiveness, no way to anything. Okay, we were doomed. Any circumstance that we pray about now, yeah, that wasn't a thing before Jesus came. Every time anything, anything could come up, we think about all the circumstances that we're facing in life, all the frustrations, all the decisions, all the things that we pray about. There was no access to that before Jesus. It was like, well, it is what it is, right? It is what it is. God could have done, think about it. God could have done anything to rescue humanity. He's God. He could have done anything. He could have sent everybody a get out of hell free card. We just carry our card with us and then we don't go to hell. He could have, I don't know, be creative. He could have done anything. He's God. But what did he choose to do? 
says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So out of anything that he could have done, he sent himself. Anything that he could have done on our behalf, he chose to send himself. He sent Jesus to die for us. He sent himself. The word itself became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Because he wanted to show us an example of what this would be to us now that the word became flesh and dwelt among us, that we have access to the living, breathing word of God through this, through a relationship with him, through prayer, through worship. We have access to the word, to the living word, to the person of the word. We have access. And then he sends us a helper that brings all things to our remembrance and is the spirit of truth. And if this is truth and he is truth, we have a spirit of truth. We have the living word of God living and operating on the inside of us. So he could have done anything and he chose to send himself do we see how important relationship is to our god if he wanted us to read a scroll and check it off and sign the bottom once we've read it like an agreement i i agree to whatever this is to go to heaven and sign it he could have done that but instead he sent himself i'm going to personally come because i want a relationship with you and so how do we how do we know him we know him through the word and he wanted a personal relationship with us. 2 Timothy 3.16. We have a lot of scripture tonight. I feel like that's important when you're talking about reading the word, that there's, there's a lot of scripture that we use. But 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. That word translates to necessary as well. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Okay, we talked about what is necessary. What is necessary in my life? What are the necessary things? And then we read that in him, through a relationship with him, all things for life and godliness, all things that are necessary for a dynamic spiritual life have been given to us through a relationship with him. Well, then this is just driving that point home. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable and is profitable. It did not say some scripture is profitable. All scripture is profitable. So when we're looking at our life going, what things are necessary, what things are not, what things are building me up, what things are not, what things are growing me, what things are not, all scripture is profitable. You literally can't go wrong in the word. We can't go wrong in the word. Every bit of it is profitable to spiritual growth and knowing him. All scripture is profitable. And we can keep reading for, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Complete and thoroughly equipped. That sounds like a dynamic spiritual life to me. Again, it's through him because it says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Nowhere else in the Bible does it say anything else is all profitable. And then say all the world has to offer is profitable. All opinions of men is profitable. All what you think your life should look like is profitable. All, he said, all scripture is profitable. Why? Because it's given by the inspiration of God. What I want growing me is what's given by the inspiration of God because then I can know him. But then it brings me in alignment that it says that I may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And I know these are scriptures that we hear, but guys, change the reality in our mind. Can you think of yourself that way? I'm complete. I am thoroughly equipped for every good work. I can have a dynamic spiritual life because of who I'm connected to, because of the overflow of my relationship with Jesus, because I know him through his word, because of who I'm connected to, I am thoroughly equipped. So we exist as a result of the word and cannot survive without it. Here's the last thing I wanna say on this point. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it said that God spoke and things were created. God spoke and things were created. But then it said, I formed you before you were in your mother's womb. I formed you, I knew you. So could we all agree that our lives are actually a result of the word of God? My very being is here and present as a result of the word of God, as a result of the word of God. If I, what I'm made up of 
I need to maintain to keep growing, okay? Let's do a physical example. Here's the cool thing about the Bible. Every spiritual concept that there is in the Bible, there's a physical illustration in life to back it up. It goes hand in hand. God's so cool that way, okay? But you think about what you're made up of. Oxygen, hydrogen, carbon, water. So since you're made of those things, you should not have to breathe or drink water. Um, um, yeah, you're made up of it. If we are made up spiritually by the word of God, if that's what we are composed of, that doesn't mean that we can live without it. It would be silly for us to live a life and not breathe. It would be silly for us to live a life and not drink water. And then just try telling your doctor next time you're there and be like, I know I'm dehydrated, but I figured that since I'm like 70% water, um, I don't need to drink it. Okay, they'll laugh at you, but we need that. Just because I'm made in the image of God, just because I'm made by inspiration of the word, doesn't mean I don't need it to survive and to thrive. It's the opposite. The more of it I get, the better I am. The more of it I get, the more I grow. The more of it I get, the more I become who I'm created to be. The more I get, I can go where I need to go when I don't be malnourished and depleted, but I have the energy to be who I'm created to be because I'm filling myself with what I'm made of. I'm finding out what I'm made of. I'm filling myself with who I'm created to be. I'm filling myself with a relationship here. All of that because we were not created to exist outside of a relationship with God and outside of a relationship with the word, neither of which. Everybody good? All right. So how do we grow? So the first question, what is actually necessary? Second question, how do I know him? Third question, how do I grow? Because we hear that a lot. Are you growing? Are you growing or dulling? Are you growing or dulling? And we hear and we're like, well, I don't know. How do I know that I'm growing? I'm gonna tell you, we're gonna find out right now together, okay? So the word is our spiritual nourishment and we won't be able to grow outside of it. The word is our spiritual nourishment. Okay, so I'm gonna think about food that we take in. I want us to think about water that we take in. The word is spiritual nourishment. We need it to grow daily spiritually just as we do physically. Let's look at 1 Peter 2, 2. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Thereby, if indeed you have tasted and the Lord is gracious. And Psalm 34, 8 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. But I'm gonna read here. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow. Okay, so how do we grow? got to have a longing for, a desire for. You don't got to teach a baby to want milk, right? Okay, but now let's go back to all things for life and godliness have been given to us through a relationship with him. Okay, this is really cool. And I know we all know this, but it's something maybe we haven't thought about. When a baby is born, it is made up of everything it needs to be an adult. When a baby is born, it already is made up of everything that it needs to be an adult. Everything's there. What's the baby have to do? Grow. Grow. Told you. Physical illustration for every spiritual concept that God's trying to teach us. When we are born again, when we receive Jesus, when we receive salvation, we have been given everything we need to be a mature Christian. To be who God has created us to be. But we'll take effort. It will take nourishment. It will take us learning to walk, learning to talk, learning to be all that we are created to be, learning what we're made up of, the gifts and the talents that we have. You think about a baby that's growing up, it's gonna learn to talk. It's gonna learn to walk. It's gonna learn to feed itself. It's gonna learn to play with other people. It's gonna learn to do whatever it was created to do. And then it becomes an adult. So all of us in here, and you're like, great. I'm made up of nothing more than what I started with. <laughs> okay. But that was so cool to me because sometimes we live like we need God. 
I'm not, I'm not ready. I don't have what I, what I need to be who you've called me to be. I don't have what I need to face this situation. I don't have what I need to be able to step out in faith here. I don't have what I need to, I can't do that. I can't do what you've asked me to. That's too big for me. I can't, I don't have what it takes. And that's a lie of the enemy. And now you can funnily like laugh back and be like, <laughs> I was created with what it took to be an adult. <laughs> like, but, it's, but it's a fun thought to have in your mind of going, I do have what it takes. I do have what it takes to do what I'm created to do. Am I gonna have to grow? Yeah. Will I fall down a few times? You bet. Will I maybe, you know, have to learn to eat, have to learn to get along with other people, have to learn, we have to learn all of these things. My nephew right now, he's in the stage that he's gotta like learn that other people matter too. They're important. And we were playing basketball the other day and he's like, I don't wanna play with them. They're taking my ball. That's, that's the point of the game. I don't care, I don't wanna play with them. <laughs> we're learning that we have to play with other people. We have to play, spiritually, what do we do? I have to learn to walk. I have to learn to talk. I have to learn to feed myself. I have to learn to get along with other people. I gotta find out what I like and what I don't like. Spiritually, what gifts and talents have God given me? What things do I know I am not talented in that area and this is something that God gave me to thrive in? You have what it takes. Everybody say, I have what it takes. Say it like you mean it. I have what it takes. All right, so when we're talking about milk, when we're talking about the pure milk of the word of God, two things here. One, no milk substitutes. I'm a milk substituter in the natural. You betcha, I despise milk. I love coconut milk. Oren says, that is not natural. It is impossible for a coconut to produce milk. True, but then I said, I'm gonna preach that. Just because it's called milk doesn't mean it's milk, okay? So then I was like, yeah, I'll just preach it right back. So the pure milk of the word of God. Sometimes we want a milk substitute. Why? I don't like milk. I de really, yeah, I don't like milk at all. Um, and I don't even like it in my coffee because it like sits on my tongue weird. It really bothers me. Fun fact about Shelby, okay? But the, the, I don't like milk. I like coconut milk. I love coconut milk. It's very light and thin and waterish, and I can taste my coffee, and it's excellent. I love the substitute because milk just doesn't work for me. But now we're going to take that spiritual. I don't like how the Word of God tastes that way. It just doesn't work for me. So I'm going to find a substitute of something similar that's called the Word, that better suits my lifestyle. So then we take this milk, the pure milk of the word of God, and we find a substitute and wonder why it's not working the same way as the pure milk will. Coconut milk will never be milk, no matter how hard it tries. It's not gonna happen. Neither will almond milk or oat milk or, did I miss one? Soy, soy milk. It's not gonna be milk. Like half and half will not be milk. That's, it's half, it's half and half. And like, there's not gonna be milk. Pure milk is milk. Pure milk is milk. Nothing outside of the word of God can be the word of God. Nothing watered down in the word of God can be the word of God. And so we have to have a longing in order to grow. First of all, we gotta eat the real thing. We can't eat a substitute. Because sometimes we're like, I'm in the word. I'm believing the word. No, that's a substitute of the word of God. That's not the pure milk of the word of God and it will never have the same effect. Because when I have a substitute word of God that I'm reading and believing, then I have a substitute relationship with God and that's called an idol. That's not a relationship with God. So when I substitute the word of God for something else that better fits my lifestyle, then I now have an idol relationship with someone that's not God. It's a substitute God that I think is God. And then we live dull and then we live stagnant and then we don't grow. Why? Because I have a substitute in my life. So no milk substitutes, that's the first one. Okay, milk, what is milk? When it talks about the milk of the word of God, you're like, that's cool. What does Bible milk taste like? Well, it says that it's like honey on your lips, so I think that's a good thing. But what is Bible milk? Bible milk is the foundational truth of who God is, of who Jesus is. When I'm tasting the milk, when I'm drinking the milk of the word of God, what's it doing for me? I'm memorizing it, I'm reading it, I'm listening, I'm learning about who I am, I'm learning about who God is, I'm learning about all these things I can memorize scripture. That's what the milk of the word of God is. It's good stuff. We have to have a foundation. But some of us 
have allowed ourselves to become brilliant milk drinkers. We know everything there is to know about the word of God. You can quote it front to back. You can tell you every deep theological, theological idea throughout the entire Bible. You can go through what every Greek and Hebrew word means in the entire Bible. And we think that is spiritual growth. We think that is spiritual maturity. It's not. You're just a brilliant milk drinker because milk is getting the facts. Milk is having the knowledge. Milk, that's what that is. Okay, important quote. Head knowledge is dead knowledge. Head knowledge is dead knowledge. Okay, when we just take in the milk of the word of God, it's important. We gotta have the milk of the word of God, but we have to grow because babies, they need milk and no one judges them for it. When you're 30, you should probably not be drinking out of a Bible or a bottle. Drink out of the Bible, yes, not the bottle, okay? But what are we drinking out of? What are we, what are we taking in? We gotta grow and be able to eat solid food, okay? So foundational, foundational, find out, foundational. Head knowledge is dead knowledge because here's what happens. We get head knowledge, we get head knowledge, we get head knowledge, we know everything. Have you ever tried talking to someone who knows so much about the word of God and they come to you because it's not working in their situation and you try to speak to them and they go, I know, I know, this is what it says. I know, I know, I know. Your Bible's broken because you just asked for prayer, but you know everything. Something's missing. Why? Head knowledge, head knowledge, head knowledge. So then what happens? They get top heavy. What do top heavy things do in the wind? They blow over, we've been watching it forever. So what happens? A storm comes my way. Something happens that I'm facing and we blow over. But we know everything. We know everything there is to know. And so that's the start of growth. Yes, we need milk. We need milk forever. We can still drink milk. I mean, I don't personally, you can still drink whole milk. I drink coconut milk, but we still will have substance in our lives. But what do we gotta do to get from A to B? So it's the basics of the ABC, that's, that's the milk. Now let's go to Hebrews 5.11. of whom we have much to say and hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use of their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. So we have to graduate somewhere from milk to solid food. So what is the transition period there? Well, the transition is the application and obedience of the truth that we're learning up here. Because when I learn it up here, and then I take that word and go, okay, I'm gonna apply the pure word of God to my life, then it goes from up here to down here. And then I can stay centered. And then I can walk out what I'm learning. So now I don't just know it, I'm actually applying it. What just happened? The word that was up here, now became living in my life. And what happens? God's word can't return empty. God's word can't return void. So when I take the word of God, he gives me a revelation. It gets in my mind. I meditate on that. I memorize that, whatever it takes. And then I apply that to my life and I actually put it into action. It's impossible not to see fruit in my life because this word is living and because it came out of a relationship with God. So now it came from here to here to here because I'm walking it out. And now I can take in solid food. So you could have someone that knows the Bible in and out and applies nothing. And you could have someone that has taken one scripture and applied it with everything in them. One is spiritually mature. One is, as we read er uh, earlier, was it unusable? Useless. Useless. One is useless because you know but you're not doing. The Bible says to be doers of the word and not hearers only. James 1.22 says to do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but to do what the word says, to do what the word says. The Bible says to walk out your salvation with fear and trembling. We have to put doing in action to the word of God. We can't just hear it. We can't just read it because then we'll get top heavy and we just blow over. We have to keep growing. Spiritual maturity is so, so, so important. 
So we can't live on milk forever. We have to act in obedience to the truth. Head knowledge is dead knowledge. We don't want to be top heavy Christians. When he wrote this, so in Hebrews, we don't know who he is. We have assumptions of who he is, but we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews. But when it was written, it was written to Christians. This portion here was not written to people that were not saved. This was written to Christians. And in the timeline of Hebrews, some of them had been a part of the church, the Christian church for 30 years. They had been Christians for 30 years when this was written to them. And he said, you've only been able to consume milk. You've only been able to consume milk. I can't even speak to you. And it says that you are unskilled in the word of righteousness. Why? Because the word of God can't be active if I'm not active with the word of God. It can't be active through me if I'm not active with it. If I only put it here, I'm unskilled. I don't know how to use it. You could memorize. Have you guys ever listened? Um, I mean, any kind of instruction of, of, of any kind and you listen and you listen and you listen and you listen. You could listen to someone explain how to run a piece of equipment. You could listen to Jesse tell you how to draw a beautiful picture. You could listen to how to shoot a basketball. You could memorize it. You could memorize how to do it. And then you get up to do it and you're like, turns out I'm not capable of such. I, listen, I haven't memorized. I can tell you how to draw a picture the same way Jesse can tell you how to draw a picture. I promise you I cannot draw a picture. It's not gonna happen. I can tell you how to shoot a basketball. I can tell you how to rope. I can tell you how to work a horse. I can tell you all of these things until you do it yourself, until you practice it yourself, it won't work. The same is true with the word of God. And this is not a condemning message to go, great, I'm still on milk. We need milk, that's important. But we can't stay there forever somewhere. We have to apply the word of God in our lives if we wanna see it active and working in our lives. If we wanna see the word of God living in our lives, then we gotta live out the word of God. I've gotta take this and put it here and get it to here and walk it out. I have to see what is necessary. Am I walking? So then we're like, well, at the beginning, I really do meditate on the word of God. I really do listen to the word of God. I pray, I feel like I have a relationship with God. Do our actions portray that we are acting on what is necessary for spiritual growth or what is unnecessary for spiritual growth? Because now we're in a whole new part that maybe, maybe we are drinking milk really well, but our actions portraying the bare necessity are actions portraying something unnecessary, something unprofitable something that is dulling me rather than growing me? What are our actions saying? Am I applying the word of God? So I'm gonna talk about, I wanna read one more scripture, then I'm gonna talk about some growth inhibitors. An indicator of spiritual growth, and I'll say this slow, because I, I want us to catch and I'll read it a couple times. An indicator of, we could say, of whether or not I'm growing spiritually or how much I'm growing spiritually is how much truth our everyday decisions are based on versus what pleases us. Think about how many decisions you make a day. How many of those decisions are grounded and acted in the word of, the God, of word of God and how many of those are based on how we feel? How many decisions are made because I feel this way? There was a way that seemed right because I thought it was a good idea because I thought it was what was best and how many decisions are truly based on the word of God? If every decision throughout your day is super easy, I wonder if it was based on the word of God because the word of God says to put someone else first. The word of God says to serve someone else. The word of God says to respond in righteousness instead of being right all the time. The word of God says to serve the people around us. The word of God says to be patient. The word of God says to have all joy when it falls into various trials. That's what, that's what the word says. So am I acting on the word or am I acting on what feels good? Am I acting on what is necessary to grow me? Or am I acting on what is going to dull me? Because we'll act on one or the other. Let's go to Hebrews uh, 4.12. So it's right there, just a page over. For the word of God, I'm just gonna read half of this. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. I wanna stop right now, or right there. 
piercing to the division of soul and spirit. Okay, so I have my relationship with God. I'm trying to grow. That's the goal of tonight, right? We all wanna grow into who God has created us to be. I wanna grow every single day. So when I read the word of God and I go, God, read me. God, read me. Show me what you wanna show me. Show me a relationship with you in this. Show me who you are in this. What do I do with this situation? What do I do today? Because he already knows our tomorrow and he's gonna give us, in the, in the Lord's prayer where it says, give us this day our daily bread. This is what it is. God, give me what I need from you today. God, show me what I need from you today so that I have everything that I need for life and godliness through you. But when I do that and I allow the word to read me, it says that it divides the soul and the spirit. What is that? It divides me versus what is God. It shows me what is me and what is God. It shows me this is how you feel and what you wanna do in this situation and this is what I'm doing in this situation. You can either do what you're gonna do or you can submit to what I'm doing because we have the spirit of God inside of us and we will live each and every day either according to the flesh or we will walk according to the spirit and they war against each other. The word of God puts the dividing line and says that is you and this is me. And then we're able to choose. So then we go into choose this day who you will serve. I will serve me, I will serve God, but God revealed it to me. God revealed what was me and what was him. That is huge to me. So what are some growth inhibitors? Growth inhibitor number one would be I just don't read it. I spend no time in the word. I don't read my Bible at all. I hear it at church. I read the scriptures on the screen at church, but I don't read the Bible. That will lead to spiritual anorexia. Spiritual anorexia. Okay, and here's what it does. That means with anorexia, I'm more concerned about my appearance than I am my health. If I were to truly get in and read the word of God, I don't wanna know exactly what it would say to me and I don't know how it would change my life and I would rather keep up this appearance here than my spiritual health in here. And so I will live out here instead of in here. We don't want spiritual malnourished, spiritual anorexic Christians. We need to be spiritually strong and growing in the word of God, in our relationship with God and outside of the word. We can't have a relationship anywhere and we are starving ourselves spiritually and we'll have spiritual anorexia and then we'll keep up an appearance here and be unhealthy in here, okay? Growth inhibitor number two is that I'm reading the word for what the word can do for me and not to get to know him. The word was never created to be outside of a relationship with God. And so growth inhibitor number two is the wrong intention that I'm reading the word to find out what it can do for me. And I'm not reading the word because I get to know my Jesus. So that'll be a growth inhibitor. Um, number three is instead of anorexia, we have bulimia. We don't act on the truth. I hear it. I read it just enough to know that I did it. And then I spit it back out because I don't want it to actually do what it needs to do in me. I'm not gonna act on it. I don't want that thing to have an effect on me. So I hear it, I take it in and then I spit it out. And so it's not acting on the word causes spiritual bulimia that I take it in, I hear it, I read it every single day, but I don't dare act on it. I spit it right back out before it has any effect on me because I want to take it in and I want the appearance of that, but then I'm gonna spit it right back out. And then the last one, spiritual inhibitor number four, is overindulging or binge eating, thinking that I can binge eat on Sunday and I'm gonna stay nourished the rest of the week. Our bodies, again, another physical illustration, our bodies are only created to use so much and take in so much at a time. You can eat as much as you want to eat tonight after church. I promise you'll eat again before next Wednesday. I, why? Because your body's only created to take in and use so much. Spiritually, it's the exact same way. We can't overindulge on Sunday or overindulge on Wednesday or even get from Sunday to Wednesday and hope we're nourished enough to stay growing and have the energy to face what we need to face and do what we're supposed to do. Instead, we go, no, I'm gonna take what I got Wednesday and I'm gonna apply it tomorrow morning. Okay, so those are our growth inhibitors. Now, I wanna give you just quickly as we, as we close, this is the last part here. Everybody should have one of these. If you don't, there's extra up here on random seats. And here's what I wanted to do is I don't want to just give this list of questions and go, okay, is everybody ready? Let's grow together and not give you anything to know how to grow. Because I know sometimes the hardest part of growing is going, I don't know where to read my Bible 
So it's really not that I'm not reading it because I don't know where I don't want it to read. I really do want to read my Bible. I don't know where to start. I don't know where to read. I don't know how to stay consistent. I don't know how to study the Word. I don't know any of those things. And I feel like that's the hardest part for me. And so I get that. And so I don't want to preach a message and go, okay, now you have everything that you need to grow. And you go home and go, God, I really want to grow, but I don't know how to read my Bible. Okay, that's not a shameful thing. That's not an embarrassing thing. That's a big book. There's a lot of words in there. We should figure out how to read it together, okay? So your bare necessity, the first list of scriptures on there, those are all scriptures about what the word of God does for you, what the word of God is. Um, that Matthew 4 is that uh, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Um, the, the next one is that the word is a lamp to my feet and a light into my path. Matthew 24, 35 is that heaven and earth will pass, but my words will never pass. John 17, 17 is the word is truth. Isaiah 40, verse 8 is the grass will wither and the flower will fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. And all of those are in there. All of them are that kind of thing that every single one of those top scriptures are, this is what the word does for me. And when I take the word, I know that if that doesn't fail, it can't fail. And when I take that and I have my relationship with God, that means my relationship with God can't fail. That means that what I'm doing, I can't fail. The purposes of God in me can't fail because I'm living out of a relationship with him. And so then we can take each one of those scriptures and apply them that this is what the word says, which means this is what God says to me because they go hand in hand. The second part is just additional study that after you've read all those, the additional study part is, I don't know where to go from there. Read four chapters in Psalms a day. Four chapters in Psalms a day. It's a very easy, very fruitful place to start. And then read one chapter in Proverbs a day. Again, there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. That's 31 days. So it'll take you a month to do that. So you've got a lot of reading material here. And when you're done, just start over because we'll forget and you'll get new revelation of where you started. So just go back over. Okay, then you can read 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Just good stories in there. Um, and then you can go through the Gospels, one chapter a day, read Ephesians, read 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. And then if you get all that done, you want to keep going, then read Acts because you already read the Gospels and 1 and 2 Corinthians. Go Acts and just go rest the way through the New Testament. And then go back and read the Old Testament. There's a lot of genealogies. You can skip those pages. It will be fine. No one will judge you for doing that. Okay. And then repeat. Just start over. The word is living. It's got something to say. I've read these scriptures hundreds of times and I see something different every single time I read them because God wants to speak to us and it's out of a relationship with him. While you're reading them, here's my disclaimers. Don't just read to read. Don't just read to mark it off your list for the day that Shelby said I was growing if I read four chapters in Psalms every day. Okay, remember that I said you are a brilliant milk drinker and you should apply those four chapters in Psalms every single day. Okay, so here's your thing. Write in your Bible. If God tells you something, if you're looking a scripture up, write in there because you'll forget it by the next time you read it. And then you're like, I'm a, I'm a brilliant milk drinker. Look it, there's proof in my Bible. I have it written right there. Okay, so write in your Bible. Number two, before you read, remember, we're simply reading God so we can say, hey God, what do you have to say for me in this today? What do you got? You know what I'm gonna face today? Give, give me something. What do you have to say today? And let him read you then um, allow the word to read you. It might confront some character. It might confront some things. It might, th this is a decision you're making and maybe you get some revelation in it. Allow the word to read you. So take time to do this, okay? Um, the, the next one is look for God's character. This is one of my favorite things to do. Sometimes we read for the story's sake. Sometimes we read for what the scripture says. I challenge in every day that you read, find what characteristic of God is present in that day's reading. Every day that you read, there will be a characteristic of God. This is God. So all of us have characteristics. Every conversation, you see a different characteristic, right? Every conversation we have with God, we go, oh, God, I thank you that you're my peace. God, I thank you that you're my comforter. God, I thank you that you're my rest. God, I thank you that you're my joy. God, I thank you that your word is sharper than a sword today. Like, it's a, whatever we're facing, we find that characteristic of God. So look for the characteristics of God. And then the last one, which is the most important for our growth, one way to apply that scripture. That's why I say skip the genealogies. There's no way to apply them. Just skip right over. But every time you read, every reading that you have, pick one thing 
of how you're going to walk that out that day. Because what it'll cause you to do, it'll cause you to memorize. It'll cause you to meditate on it. You might have to take a note card with you just to remember that you're acting on this today. And then be careful on the day that you read a scripture about patience. I'm just gonna forewarn you, just be careful, tread carefully, get an extra coffee that morning. It will be fine, you will survive. But be careful on those days, will you stand with me?